Dwayne Haskins didn't even get started yet. His life hadn't even started. And so, much like you say, Jay, you just thoughts and prayers and, and try and keep everybody strong within your family and try and bounce back and take one day at a time as much as you can because it's going to live with you for the rest of your natural life. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Just awful, tragic news over the weekend, of course, involving Dwayne Haskins, quarterback of the Steelers, formerly of the Commanders in Ohio State. Ari's just writing some chicken scratch on the board for me. I thought it had to do with this. It's something different. Something I asked about during the break. So not important to you guys out there. Um, But yeah, Dwayne Haskins was just a really, really sad story. Don't know a lot of the details. Doesn't really matter at this point. Uh, But they will continue to come out. Uh, But of course, like anything, this turned into not a story about Dwayne Haskins, which it probably should be. And, you know, the tragic ending of a young man's life but really about the media coverage of the event and a couple of people in particular. And I think that that there's two very, very different stories that were out there of the media coverage of this. And and first, like, obviously it just sucks that he's gone. I mean, that there's not much more to say um, other than, you know, seemed to be from most people you hear from that knew him. And that's Dwayne Haskins. that knew him well. Just always happy. Every picture I saw of him, a uh, big smile on his face, looked like he just really enjoyed life. And you hear from his teammates of how much he brought to a locker room, even if um, we didn't see it necessarily from the outside. And I think that was part of what the coverage was. Willie, it's it's a complicated issue because, first of all, I'll just lay out the two different scenarios. One was Adam Schefter's tweet, which kind of – it was an announce. It was a death announcement. It was a breaking news story that he had passed away, and he included in there, you know, former Ohio State great who failed to catch on with the Commanders and the Steelers. Like a lot of people flipped out about that and said not necessary. And I get that, but I also get that in the the heat. It was listen. It, it was not a good tweet. It was it was not the proper way to do it. It was very. You know, it lacked awareness of the moment for sure. But you also, when you see it, I'll, I'll say this. The first time I read it, it, nothing jumped out at me. Right. And then, and I think that's maybe us being too buried in, in the business maybe, but nothing jumped out. And then I saw the reaction to it and I said, yeah, yeah, people are right. That That reaction is correct. My initial reading of it wasn't fully informed on, on it. And then you read it, you're like, okay, I get why people are mad. But at, like, it wasn't something that jumped out to me at first. It was one, it, it, it's, I mean, you nailed it. There's nothing more I can really add to it. I mean, it's one of those tweets where as a media member, you're immediately starting to, to type and, 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 and send something out. And that's what came to Adam Schefter's mind. Um, did he mean it vindictively? Was he trying to take a shot? I don't think so. Um, if he would have went back and took a minute trying to not break it, go as I don't know what his what Adam Schefter's mindset is, so I can't necessarily. We all we could say is that it was it was written, it was decided it, at whatever point he hit send, it was in poor judgment. When he wrote it, I'm not going to say that it was in poor judgment in how he wrote because 
he just he wrote it real quick as a media member and that's what he thought of he but the the poor judgment was not going back reviewing it knowing that that this was about the death of a human being um a young man who still had a lot left in his career to do so much more um and like you said and we've heard and we're learning more and more is is how beloved he was and counted upon in locker rooms for positive light and motivation and and just being a part of a team and a chemistry so again i i don't believe that adam Schefter meant to you know to troll within an announcement that someone tragically died but his poor judgment was in rushing to hit publish because i think that you know you myself you know we take time and to to sort of reread and go okay wait a minute and if i've always just with twitter if you have to think even for one second is this worded right do i send this where it's probably not and, it, and even if you alter it or change it in some way shape or form well it's a, it's so, a, just to that point i mean i was trying to think of an example i don't want to use a, a specific one because i don't want to like you know it's hard. It is. Well, I, and well, I also just don't want to say like, all right, let's say this person died. Like, I don't want to put that out in the in yeah, the universe. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't want right. to use a specific example, but I'm just thinking of like local athletes or whatever. If I was reporting on their death, and I was it, listen, you don't have to be first. You don't have to rush it out. I get it, but when you first put that out, you want to you want to describe to people who it is that you're talking about, right? So you could say, you know. Again, I was about to just say a fake name, but then I was like, oh, there might be somebody with that real name. Player A died Thursday, whatever. And you might have a lot of people like, who is that? I don't know who that is. So you might be like, player A, a former first-round pick of Team X, died. Maybe people don't know that either. And so you're like, former. so when you say like, former college standout who didn't, you know, who, whatever, and you're trying to actually, like, oh, yeah, that guy. Like there is, there is some of that of to reporting of like you don't want to have the follow up questions of who are you talking about? I don't know, I don't know who that person is. I never heard of them. So you're trying to address that, but then I absolutely a hundred percent. I'm not fighting back that it didn't come across bad. It came across really, really bad. But you also like you are trying to report as much as possible who it is in two. Well, let's say one one was it two hundred eighty now characters uh, in two hundred eighty characters. Like it, it's. I get it. I get why it was a problem. I get why it was bad. I think it was bad. But you also it is, and you get it thing. a little bit. Here's the thing. With this situation and to that point in where he, he may have been trying to make sure he got enough information so people knew who they were talking about. Because, you know, he there may be some people not. He's made headlines in the last, well, since the end of the season, in that he's he inherited – one of the most storied franchises in history. So he, you know, the man who was to take over and expected to take over for well, not though, because that, that, that's another problem. Like he, because well, we Trubisky is going to be the quarterback there. So yeah. it's like, I, I mean, it again, it's tough because you can't say the Steelers' projected starting quarterback. You could say, I guess, their projected backup quarterback. We don't know if he's going to make the team. That might not be accurate. Like there is a lot of. There's a lot, there's a lot of confusion, a lot of difficulty in words when you find that. You, it's again, it's not necessary. You could have just said, for you know, former first round pick or former Ohio State star or Pittsburgh Steelers current Pittsburgh Steelers backup quarter, whatever you want to say. Yeah, 
And then, and then if they would have said backup, people would have been like, well, why do you have to mention he's a backup? Like, I, I don't know. I, it's yeah. really, really tough. And the, the that's other... what I'm saying. So the positive angle would have been, you know, because at first, that's because everybody, if you think about it, that's what everyone's saying. It was like, is he the guy that's going to? So there's so many different ways. Or you just say, former Ohio State great and NFL quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, yeah. died tragically after being struck by a dump truck. Period. You don't have to add so many other things and get into that. That's for yeah. and 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 in reality is that one line that he that he add that little you know transition in between commas probably fit more into a story right. and probably the latter half when you're going over statistics. Right. Not it's, it's necessarily. Trying, it's trying to tell a story when you don't have enough characters and you're trying to get as much information as possible in. It wasn't necessary, and and I think people get that, and I think he gets that. I think I don't think he he's fighting back on it that much. He gets it that it was bad. Here's the other one though, was Gil Brandt, you know, former oh, NFL executive, and and this one is much worse. But here's the thing: I think people are mad at the wrong person. So, Gil Brandt goes on, and he just made a mess of the entire interview, uh, talking about the way it has. First, Gil Brandt's still an NFL insider, still a guy who does interviews and talks about it. I think we've had him on the show. I don't know how long ago it was. It was a while ago. Because he's 90. Like, uh, yes, he's still, you know, he can still formulate a thought. He can still talk about the history of the league and things that have gone on in the league. But he is 90. He's a 90-year-old man. And what he said was awful. Like, it was terrible. But I also think, like, who's Who's putting him on the air right away and attract like it's bad. So for those that missed it, he did say uh Dwayne Haskins was a guy, quote, living to be dead, end quote. Um, and then he went back and criticized his decision to leave school early, which happened several years ago. Gilbrandt said, quote, maybe if he stayed in school a year, he wouldn't do silly things. And like, what on earth are you saying? But why? Why or why is he on? And again, he he can. He, I'm not saying he just needs to be put out to pasture, or whatever. Like he's a guy that still can provide insight on like the history of the league and that sort of thing. But like in a in a you know react right away setting of hey, this guy died. What are your thoughts? Like maybe it's not the right time to put him on. It was rough. It, it, you know, to, to I listened to the audio, didn't just read. You know, and um, the very first thing I thought of in it's a completely different manner. But in a sense, I was like, okay, he may have just had his Howard Cosell moment where I, where he just was being a traditionalist old school guy and just blurting out what he, his thoughts, but didn't realize how cold hearted and out of place what he was saying was at that moment. Not saying that it would have fit at a different moment because it shouldn't have been said at all, but I just felt like I was like, oh man. I think I even tweeted just Cosell moment or something like that because that was the first thing I thought of. Brutal. Just brutal stuff um, over the weekend. And, and really, let's not let the real story get lost that Dwayne has. I was just going to say, um, we're sort of <laughs> we're sitting here talking about the negatives when we should be talking about the loss of, like you said at the start of this, a young man lost his yeah, life. And it sucks not, for – Forget just football player, a young man. It obviously sucks for him, anyone his family, anyone around him, anyone who knew him has spoken glowingly about him. So I think those are the important things uh, to keep in mind. Well, we'll move on from that, uh, get into 
current goings-on in the NFL. Continue our path to the draft. Up next, the Buccaneers. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's time for Cofield and Company's Path to the Draft. It is Cofield and Company on this Monday. Steve Cofield be back later this week. The luxurious vacation continues. I may be saying that sarcastically. You got to check out his social media. See where him and the SO ended up. It is uh, quite a spot. Quite a spot for Steve and the lady. Uh Getting you ready for the draft. It's starting. Oh, my goodness. If you have been out and about, you have seen the signs. The road closures begin in just a couple of days. Wednesday, the streets start shutting down for the construction of the most insane draft stage of all time all over the city. Good luck dealing with it. It'll be fun, but it actually will be really fun with the draft here in Vegas coming up in just a couple of weeks. And we're going to find out what the Bucks could be doing in the first round, they pick at number 27. As we continue the path of the draft, we head out, head on down to Tampa. I know a lot of people say we head on to Tampa Bay. That's not true. There's not a city called Tampa Bay. It's actually just a body of water. Uh, Zach Blobner, WDAE down in Tampa. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. I appreciate you, you know, knowing the difference between Tampa and Tampa Bay. It, it is definitely something, uh, I, I don't know if I'd go as far as to call it a pet peeve, but it's something that I feel like us folks down here in Tampa Bay and in the Tampa you know, or St. Petersburg or Clearwater area have to explain to people uh, more often than not that don't live around the area. Well, I get the, cause I've, I've been talking to a lot of people recently. I'm, I'm working on something for the off season of um, I'm ranking every NFL city of where to visit after a couple of years now on the beat of, you know, being around to pretty much every town. And people are like, where do you rank Tampa Bay? I'm like the water. Like, I, I don't, what are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, it's not a thing, but yeah, it's, it's tough. It's, it's like us with Nevada, by the way, people say Nevada and we're just like, come on, man. That's not, that's not a place. It's Nevada. You know, while we're talking logistics here, I just want to point <laughs> out how awesome it's going to be to see the draft in Las Vegas. Well, and then you see that they've recently announced it's going to be in Detroit in a couple of years. And I'm like, how do you go from Vegas? And I know there's a place in between, but like <laughs> Detroit, come on. Uh, what's Kansas city, I think is, uh, is coming up. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm the opposite. I'm from Detroit now I live in Vegas and, uh, we'll never be going back to Detroit except for football <laughs> games and the draft, I suppose. Uh, but you can enjoy the draft from afar. We have to deal with it. It is going to suck. Uh, here on the roads the next couple of weeks with everything closed down to set up this stage. But uh, let's get into what could happen with the Buccaneers. Like the draft is like, it's not the most important thing to a team that's a Super Bowl contender all the time, but the Bucs have done a pretty good job recently kind of, you know, finding some guys that can contribute right away. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting because obviously everybody knows that Bruce Arians has stepped aside and Todd Bowles has taken over, but Bruce Arians is still going to be heavily involved in this draft. So that aspect of it is a little odd. Obviously, he he's not the GM. That's still Jason Light. And they have a great front office uh, and scouting team built around him that, again, have had a lot of success lately. I think the interesting part for, for us here in our area is, will it be a draft where they go what's logical, what you see as needs, players that make sense, or will it be one of these situations where Tom Brady really does have complete 100% free reign and they end up taking a receiver with a 27th pick, and you're like, well, didn't need that, but – Clearly, Brady wants another weapon. So that's kind of the biggest dynamic for us is, you know, whose voice is the loudest in that room right now? Well, I mean, you are a professional, so you already got to where I was going to go because you said, hey, Arians is going to have some some say. Uh, Jason Light has done a really good job in the draft. He's been, I think, one of the better drafters around in the NFL. But is is Tom Brady the GM right now? 
It feels like that. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of like specific parts of the conversation that he's not the GM. There's a lot of people working and making decisions, but for all intents and purposes, I have to believe if Tom Brady says we want, say, like a guy like Traylon Burks, if he's still available from Arkansas, the receiver, or a guy like that, that the Bucks are going to take him, right? I mean, so I don't know if he's necessarily the GM or how much sway he has, but if, as a betting man, I would, yeah, I'd say his voice is probably the heaviest and loudest in the room at the moment. So I guess we're kind of working back. The first question I probably should have asked is about what exactly went on. Did Tom Brady fire Bruce Arians? So I don't think so. I don't think that's the case. And and obviously we've heard a lot of different stories. There's the one that the Bucs have actually given to us, <laughs> which is that, you know, Bruce Arians decided he wanted to retire. It was his call. He wanted to put Todd Bowles in a good position. And with Tom Brady back and a lot of the players returning, he felt like this was the best thing he could do for Todd Bowles. So I think that that's the story that does have a lot of truth to it. Don't get me wrong. I think there was a lot of like unspoken things between Brady and the Glazers who own the team and Bruce Arians to where there was never an actual conversation about that where somebody said to another person, yeah, Tom wants Bruce to retire. I think it was more of like a wink-wink, nudge-nudge situation where Brady was like, yeah, I don't know if I want to come back. And the Glazers were like, what if we do some things that you might like to bring you back that'll you know, coerce you and help make the situation more amicable to what you want to see? And I think Brady was probably in a responsive mode, like, yeah, I'd be into that. And then they thought, okay, well, him and Bruce, you know, it's not that they didn't get along because Brady and Bruce did. The whole reason Tom Brady came to Tampa Bay outside of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin at the receiving position was Bruce Arians. He wanted to work with him. He wanted a different kind of head coach than Bill Belichick in New England. So I don't think it's that those two didn't necessarily get along. I think Brady just wanted more control. Ultimately, that's the biggest reason he left New England. He wanted more control. And I think with Bruce out of the way now, not that Todd Bowles won't be a head coach and do the head coaching things, but it'll be mostly on defense. I think Byron Leftwich and Tom have complete free reign now. And with Bruce in there, you know, obviously he's an offensive-minded guy. He was going to have his own thoughts and be in control of that. So I think ultimately there was no, like, actual verbiage exchanged that were, hey, you need to have Bruce out of here. I think it was just more like, we want this. Bruce is already thinking about retiring next year. It just makes sense for this all to go down now and for Brady to come back because of that. Follow him up on Twitter, at Zach on the mic, Z-A-C. On the mic, Zach Blobner, WDAE, down in Tampa. Uh, speaking of weapons, I mean, Gronkowski's coming back, right? Didn't he give this away at the barbershop? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, and this is where I'm torn, right? Because, like, there are unspoken rules in a barbershop, but it's also 2022. <laughs> you have to assume there's a camera, there's a phone, there's something on you at all times. And Gronk at a barbershop down here in South Tampa uh, mentioned, like, he's just making Brady sweat it out. You know, Gronk hosted the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards over the weekend. He's got a Las Vegas beach party for the draft. <laughs> He's got a lot going on right now that's very Gronk-like, not related to football specifically. But I think he just doesn't want to do the workouts. He wants to enjoy himself. And I think ultimately he does come back and play football for the Bucks next year. But, yeah, it's, for all intents and purposes, it's not set in stone. But I, I think uh, the barbershop talk was very telling about what he's doing and what his plans are. Could you give a given a pop for Gronk's beach party here in Vegas coming up uh, for the draft? Anybody here in Vegas? <laughs> I highly, I, I somehow, some way stumbled into Gronk's Super Bowl party in L.A. Uh, two nights before the Super Bowl. What a time! It was a great time. And, and that's the one thing about Gronk is like you can't be around him and not enjoy yourself. And, and I'll say this: you know, we talk about Tom Brady and the culture that he created in Tampa Bay and for the Buccaneers, and clearly as the goat, like he's going to get a lot of that credit and deservedly so. But Jason Light, the GM on more occasions than I can count, has mentioned how nice it is to have a guy like Gronk that always keeps it light, always puts smiles 
on the faces of the people around him. And he's as much of a culture builder in a good way as Tom Brady is. It's just different. So we talked about if Brady makes the pick, maybe they go wide receiver, just give him another weapon. Uh, if he doesn't, where would you go? What do you think this team could use? I feel like they could get maybe younger at corner, at linebacker. Like there's some, there's some places that they could probably stand to get a little bit younger. Absolutely. Um, I, I think if you're, again, going based on logic and the guys that were lost, I do think that they would be more inclined to go into the trenches, at least with the first pick, right? There's obviously a long draft ahead of them. I know they're going to take a tight end because even if Gronk comes back, that would only make two on the roster under contract with Cam Brate being the other one. So you know they're going to take a tight end at some point. I feel like they're going to add another running back to the room at some point, but those are mid-round guys. In the first, especially after bringing in Keanu Neal, you saw Logan Ryan added into the secondary. They just gave Carlton Davis a massive contract. I think they're more likely to go trenches early on. I like a guy like Zion Johnson out of Boston College, the guard, if he gets to them. And then if it's not on the offensive side, maybe on the defensive side, a lot of big boys uh, that could potentially get to the Bucks there at that 27th pick. I think in like bizarro world, the guy I like is Jordan Davis out of Georgia. Pairing him up with like a, a Vita Vea in the middle, I mean, they'll eat all day on the defensive line. So that would be something I'd like to see. But, yeah, there's some long shots to your point, like a – uh, like Elam out of Florida, the safety. Um, I know there's a couple of DBs. I think the kid out of Michigan, I want to say Daxton Hill. Yeah. So there are some secondary guys, but I think their latest free agent moves would probably push those moves back. And I think interior uh, linemen on either side of the ball is more likely. So I, I do a mock draft every Sunday leading up to the draft uh, here in Vegas where I cover the Raiders. And I will say that the last two uh, that I've put out, one, Zion Johnson going to the Bucks at 27, and the last one, Kair Elam. Going to the Bucks, so two guys that you already mentioned, I had on their uh, on their radar. <laughs> and you know the crazy part, right? At twenty seven, is every team has their big board, and clearly, if you're picking in the top ten, you know you have a good shot at some of the guys towards the top of your big board because that's how high you're picking. But when you're at twenty seven, I mean, I don't know how the Bucks are going to grade these guys. Like, let's say they have Elam with a much higher grade than a Zion Johnson, but Zion's the bigger need. Like, if Elam's there, even after bringing in Neil, another former Florida Gator, ironically. Uh, in that safety position, is that the route that they go? So uh, it'll be interesting. We've seen in the past that the Bucks aren't afraid to jump at talent. O.J. Howard, who's now in Buffalo, former tight end, they did that with pick 19 a few years ago, even though they didn't need a tight end at the time. So we've seen that. Another thing that Jason White loves to do is trade back, and uh, he's done that a few different times with their first-round pick in the last few years. So if, if their big board doesn't match up to that 27th pick, I would not be shocked to see them trade uh, maybe not out of the first round, but further back a few spots. Not that there's many left, but I wouldn't be shocked to see a trade there either. Uh, it is it is Vegas, so before we let you go, the Bucks, one of the favorites to win the NFC this upcoming year. Obviously, so much hype in the AFC and what those teams have done. But will the Bucks have enough to be warranting a bet to win the NFC this year? I mean, the NFC is just so down. So the, the quick answer is yes. It's them and the Rams. And, and listen, like anything can happen. Obviously, we'll see what injuries occur and, and how that all shakes out. With Devontae Adams ending up with y'all over there in Las Vegas from the Packers, I just don't know how you can pick anybody but the Rams who just won the Super Bowl or the Bucks who won it the year before. It's a two-horse race right now. There you go. What if the Packers were to trade for, say, a Terry McLaurin or a Keenan Allen could potentially be available? Does that change your mind? So, so no, because here's the thing. Those are great receivers, like them both a lot, but they're downgrades from Devontae Adams, right? Yeah. And you got to get the chemistry down with Aaron Rodgers, which does matter, even though he's an MVP, all-star, great player. You still got to get that chemistry down, and it doesn't always work out with guys. Um, so I, I think even if they got a big-time receiver, 
they wouldn't even be replacing what they lost. So the quick answer there would be no. Although, look, the Packers are going to win that division and be in the playoffs. So they'll have, uh, you know, after the Bucks and Rams, as good of a shot as anybody. There you go. Great stuff. Zach on the mic. Follow him up on Twitter, Z-A-C. Zach Bobman from WDAE. What, what can people check out that you're doing? Yeah, man, I got a lot going on. Uh, I don't know how y'all are handling it, and I'll take a peek behind the curtain here. We're really starting to TikTok a lot. Okay, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy to talk about on air because our medium is that, and you know, there's other things you can add. But TikTok, man, it's it's the thing to do. So Zach on the mic on TikTok as well. Um, just got a video up there. Tristan Worf's all pro tackle for the Bucks, who was uh, doing some some workouts where he was lifting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers mascot as instead of Jim Waits, he was lifting the entire mascot. So no. cool stuff on there. All right. Now I got to go check that out. What let me, I'm trying to think with the Tampa, Bay. we do a lot of mascot talk here. Sadly, uh, <laughs> Tampa Bay Bucks mascot. Is it scary at all? What is it? What does it look like? So it's a pirate, which makes sense or okay. a Buccaneer, I guess, tomato, tomato. And his name is captain fear. Okay, I'm looking but at he's, him. <laughs> but he's got a giant smile on his face, right? Yeah. Like his name is captain fear, which I respect. But he's smiling, so I don't know how ferocious he is, you know? Yeah, and he does. I mean, one of my pet peeves is if a mascot wears a shirt but no pants. He does look like he has <laughs> pants on. That's good. Yeah, one year they tried the no pants thing, and it didn't go well, so they had to, <laughs> okay. they had to close him. Well, a smiling pirate with no pants, it, that sounds terrifying. So I'm <laughs> That's glad. Gasparilla. That's <laughs> our Gasparilla down here, the, the pirate parade. You guys come check it out. Okay, this sounds awful and awesome at the same time. Uh, <laughs> check him out on TikTok and Twitter. Thanks a lot, man. Great stuff. I appreciate you. Cheers. <laughs> Good stuff. Zach Blobner, WDAE down in Tampa. The Bucks. that's our path to the draft today. Keep that going leading up to the draft. And, oh, yeah, traffic concerns on the horizon. Everybody's excited. The draft is coming to Vegas. More of Cofield and Company is on the way, live in the Finley Toyota Studios. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. I don't care if the sun don't shine. I do my drinking in the evening time when I... In Las Vegas. Don't feel the company back here on this Monday. Well, you have a you have a bottle of wine behind you. I'm looking at you right now. Yeah. Just a, just a you should see how many I have in my in my fridge. <laughs> my like, wine cooler. You don't have a uh, you don't have a wine cellar. No, I just can't throw it in the fridge. I, well, it's a wine fridge. It's a wine cooler. Okay. Well, but you know what I did add actual, to my list? But your actual refrigerator? No. Oh, you it's have an a separate one. wine fridge. Okay. It's a wine fridge. But you know what I put on the uh, I put on the Amazon bir- birthday list for next month. <laughs> Wait, you did they, that? Well, are I did you, it to say. Are you an say, Instagram model? No, 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 no. Listen, <laughs> I don't post my list. I the only reason why I did it, it's the only thing that I have on there is so I could find it when I'm ready to buy it in case. One of two people doesn't get it for me, um, but it's a it's a it's an actual cooler with a sleeve, and you put it in there. You turn it on. It asks red, white, or champagne. You pick which one, and then you te- there's 33 uh, types. You punch in what it is. So for me, I'm a red drinker. So if I punch in uh, red, and then Tuscan or Italian or Merlot, it'll tell me what temperature the bottle's at, what temperature it's supposed to be, and you hit start, and it'll take it to that temperature. So it'll be in time for when the meat comes off the grill or out of the oven or whatever it may be. This is preposterous. No, it's got to be. It's got to be a certain temperature. 
I want my wine right. Period. I mean, I'm just baffled. But I mean, I know this is a thing. I'm not baffled that this is a thing. I know people are very serious about their wine. I've been around some. I think I've told stories about you know my relatives in the Bay Area that it's out of control with the wine. Um, but for you, I don't know why. I just feel you just just grab a bottle. You're not you're not fancy. This is this is not Boone's Farm, bro. (laughs) This is not Strawberry Hill days. I've had those. Those days, those days are gone. I mean, I'm spending a lot of money on some of these bottles of wine, so I, I mean, I have to. Now, don't get me wrong; there are some you pull out, you pour, but I still, I still aerate it and and let it sit and breathe. I mean, it's not like I'm just, you know, pulling it out, putting the cork in my teeth, pulling out, and just, you know, taking it to the head. That's how you're supposed to drink wine. Oh, to me, I've been doing it. I've been doing it wrong the whole time. Yes, that's a so. Little... Next time, next time, I next time we go to. My new spot. I'm just going to bring that and put it right on the table. Wait, your new your new spot. Yeah, we went there Saturday night. <laughs> First, you don't bring a bottle of wine to that place. I bring it wherever I want. Yeah, she don't know. Okay. First, first of all, you got me pulling a cork out with my teeth and taking it to the head. I can bring a pl- I can bring a bottle of wine into a place like that. This is for this is not for those that don't. I, I mean, it's a. It's just a step above fast food. Still, the place that I that you're talking about, yeah. and, and that I've complained about here on the air, because and you saw it a little bit on Saturday, but the the staff is so overwhelmed because everybody orders uh, Uber Eats now, so like there's yeah. there's seven people in there in line, but they're making like thirty five orders. It's crazy. I was, I was impressed by I was impressed by the the platter itself. The only thing I was disappointed at is that there were still people in there. It w- the door wasn't locked, and yes, they were cleaning up, but <laughs> they shut the soda machine. Could have left down. the soda machine on. I mean, I, I wanted one what for happens? the drive home. I had a ways to go, and a little caffeine boost for the diet with so, the diet coke. So that place that you're referring to, and we're we're just trying to. I mean, we could help them out and say where it is, but we don't want more people to go because it's already too crowded. Uh, so we're not saying what it is, but it, it is basically just a. It's a. It, it's a. It was a food truck. You almost said it. I did. It was a food truck in New York. This is giving away too much, maybe. Uh, they opened a, you know, a standalone location here. Um, but it's it's just a step above fast food. I don't think you would bring wine in there. I don't think they have a liquor license. In fact, I know they don't. Uh, but in terms of fast food, we do have a story that Devin Booker got some advice early in his career from Kobe Bryant. Yeah. What, what, what happened? Are you whispering something? I, We're on the I air. Kobe. I said Cofield transition. That was a nice little transition. Oh well, I was like, you're whispering. We're on the air. Like people can hear what's going on. Except I couldn't because I was. Uh, it was De- more like it was supposed to be a little voiceover. Okay, that's fine. Uh, Devin Bo- Devin Booker. He said, to, I, "I was trying to whisper too." Uh, Devin Booker said the advice he got from Kobe Bryant early in his career was to limit his fast food intake, yeah. uh, which would help your body and let you play longer. Is that advice people actually need? Don't well, I think when you're this? no, because I mean, dude, just talk about this about uh, what's his name, DK Metcalf. I mean, he loves candy. You know, he loves candy. He only eats one meal a day. He has one coffee and he eats nothing but sweets, candy, bags of candy. So I mean, you know, in having a conversation, Kobe was a workaholic. 
I mean, he was in the gym hours before anybody else for pregame, for shoot around, whatever it may be. I mean, the, the notorious stories that he's told on different podcasts and interviews. Um, and so, yeah, it's one of the things. I mean, he said that he works with a private chef and incorporates different foods. So it's beyond just not eat, not not eating fast food, but also taking advice on, on, on how to implement the right foods also. So, yeah, I'm sure in a sense, I mean, he, he's, he, he mentions in this article one of the places that, you know, he, he, had, he wanted to cut out because it's one of his favorite places to go. And he says, my diet has always been the best. I would gravitate towards fried food like chicken fingers, have my favorite fast food restaurants lined up on my Postmates. And a few years into his career, Booker said that Kobe – Gave him tips on how to be a top NBA player, and it revamped him to, you know, change his diet, lifestyle, and helped him to stay healthy. So I don't necessarily – I know what you're saying. Like, yeah, it's common sense, but when you're that young and your body is like it is and you grow accustomed, like I know, you know, when years ago, right, or high school athletes that I've covered or even in college, you know, these kids, they love because their metabolism so fast and they think that their bodies look the way that it is and they're training every single day and they're doing two a days in the gym, conditioning on the field or on the court, whatever it may be, that they're just going to burn, burn, burn. And I think Kobe was making a point longevity wise, it's going to catch up to you. So here he is right here, you know, work with a private chef. And he says whole grains, complex carbs, lean proteins, and co- whole grains and complex carbs work w- with within one another. Fast digesting carb or a complex carb. Complex carbs are going to be stored energy for you. Fast digesting carbs are going to be quicker, faster. You know what I mean? So white rice versus brown rice. So he heeded that advice. And you know what? Who knows? Maybe maybe Kobe's advice that changed Devin Booker's diet helped him play a little more efficient and that's why they made it to the NBA Finals last year. There you go. I'm going to give some people some advice right now. Oh, stay, stay tuned. John Von Tobel next. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. It's Cofield & Company's Eye on Sports Betting. Betting. With John Von Tobel. Von Tobel. Look at that. Don't even have to do the introduction. The voice guy did it for me. John Von Tobel with us. Our good friend from VSN. How you doing, sir? Yeah, I'm doing all right. You know, I'm, uh, I don't really enjoy this. It's the beginning of baseball season, Adam, and I'm already <laughs> getting angry about the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim and their start to the year and, you know, sweating out fantasy baseball lineups. I mean, it's, it's day four or day, what, <laughs> day five. Like, I can't do this. You're already mad at me because Torkelson's 0 for 9 with six strikeouts? Right. <laughs> Settle down. That, you know, I need, I need more out of Colton Wong. Thought he was going to be good. Yeah, me too. Really worked out. Yeah, but, me uh, too. Hey, I did pick up, I will say this, um, the, uh, his name escapes me, the Blue Jays catcher, though. Uh, Alejandro Kirk. <laughs> I think he might be a nice little steal. So I'm just putting that out there. Good work. There you go. Uh, we're going to get into some serious prices in the NBA. That is your specialty, not fantasy baseball, clearly. Uh but the Lakers are just a hilarious story all the time. First of all, they completely botched the firing and the announcement, and now their wish list is a bit much for you. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just the arrogance, right? It's You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, this will make friends, uh, it reminds me of, you know, when UNLV would fire a coach. And they're like, ah, you know what? We want the best coach in the country, and, uh, you know, like the wish list of fans. And it's, let's get, let's get gonna... Jay Wright. 
Right. You know what I mean? He's only making like what? Like a million dollars? Let's just go grab him. Wasn't there his- wasn't there a brief moment where people were like, what about Krzyzewski? Right. <laughs> like, okay. Don't you think you'd at least entertain the thought? Like, no, 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 I don't. And like the Lakers, like at the top of the list for them is Nick Nurse. The arrogance of this franchise to think that one, they even even if Masai Ujiri did not laugh when they called about this, um, but the arrogance to think that they have the package that would allow them to trade for Nick Nurse, let alone the Raptors would entertain the thought, and also that Nick Nurse would want to go to that franchise. For those who don't understand this, LeBron James decided to grace you with his presence. He brought you a championship, but the last, what, Adam, decade? They've been a nightmare. Why would Nick Nurse want to uproot from Toronto, a city which is practically his at this point, by the way, with a young roster full of awesome athletes who have a really high ceiling, to go to the Lakers? You think LeBron's running a box and one on a Wednesday night game 41 of the NBA season? Like, there's no way. I just, I, I, I'm amazed by it. And you have people uh, in, uh, you know, Lakers social media. Oh, he'd entertain it. Like, no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't do it for two seconds. He doesn't want to go to your crappy team. Well, speaking of the Raptors, uh, they they do have a playoff series to worry about, unlike the Lakers do. Uh, I think you like them in this series. How much does it have to do with the fact that there is a player on the other team that is not going to be a factor in this series. Oh, yeah, it has a little bit to do with that, right? Matisse Steibel not being available because of the vaccine run in Canada and the fact that in those road games he won't be able to play. Uh, that's definitely a factor. Look, the the defensive numbers for the Toronto Raptors, whenever Joel Embiid, or excuse me, for the Philadelphia 76ers, whenever, whenever Joel Embiid leaves the floor, are an absolute nightmare. Uh, when he's off the floor and James Harden is on the floor, they get outscored by 11 points every 100 possessions. It's not very good. The defensive rating is around 125. Now, Adam, when you get in those minutes without Joel Embiid when you're in Toronto, um, that's going to be a nightmare because you also don't have Matisse Thibel, who when he's off the floor with Joel Embiid and James Harden's on the floor, we got over two, uh, 200 possessions of a sample size. They have a negative 21 net rating in those minutes. It's a night. It's more than a nightmare. I don't even know what it is. Night terror. Uh, but this defense is going to be a problem. On top of the fact that the Raptors, they're 3-1 against the 76ers with Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi missing multiple games in that series. They defend extremely well. A, a roster, as I kind of mentioned there, littered with 6-7, athletes who can defend and switch multiple positions. They're good in transition. The Philadelphia 76ers, second to last in terms of defensive rating in transition. They don't like to get out and run. I think it's just a matchup nightmare for them. So, uh, yeah, I actually I bet them over at Circa at plus 165 um, to win the series, Toronto. And you can still get them, if, depending on the markets that you shop at or whatnot, plus one and a half, like plus 130 in terms of games in the series. That would be a very good bet to make, too, if you have access to it. Well, JVT, it would have been nice if we could have got some early action win, uh, but the numbers just happened to come out, even though the the, uh, the series have been set. But what have you seen with the early uh, – who are the early lines uh, – early, early, what's the early action on in terms of teams and series? Yeah, I, and to, to, to add to your point there, Willie, it is kind of disappointing to see that these East Coast books like DraftKings, um, who I think deserve some credit – for putting these numbers up the second the series were set. And out here in Las Vegas, we're waiting until about 2 o'clock in the afternoon the next day uh, to get these numbers out there. Uh, you know, I, I wish there was probably a little bit more aggressiveness in just hanging these numbers up the second these series are set instead of waiting for the market to mature and then putting them up. But regardless, you know, we get what we get when we're out here. And uh, what we've seen so far, you know, DraftKings, it was interesting. They hung up a pretty short number on the Milwaukee Bucks. And some might think minus 650 is not short, but in this series it is. Uh, and there were some odds makers who thought this would be more in the range of minus uh, 2,000. 
as opposed to minus 650, and we're heading in that direction. But the Bucks have been hammered since the open over there at DraftKings. And the other thing that's really moved, uh, Milwaukee opened, again, like I wish I had access to some of these numbers. Milwaukee guys opened minus one and a half in the series, excuse me, minus two and a half in the series at even money. That's up to minus 190 now in multiple spots. So like it's been, it's been a pretty big support in favor of Milwaukee. And I think it's just the, the opening numbers were a little out of whack there. But Willie, that's the biggest one to note here is that the market, rightfully so, has been all over some cheap numbers on the Milwaukee Bucks. Where, where do you stand on the Warriors uh, series, considering they struggled uh, quite a bit with Denver during the season? Denver not not at full strength, but the Warriors might not be either. Right, and I think Adam, like I'm kind of at the point where, like I I don't like Denver defensively, right? Like I think they're they're very poor. They shown over the last month and a half of the season, uh, they're one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA. Uh, they had a terrible spread record down the stretch. I think they, I want to say they were like four and twelve in their last sixteen games against the spread, somewhere in that in that neighborhood. Um, but you're alluding to the, the the big story here. You know the latest headline around Steph Curry and the Warriors. Uh, Steve Kerr said that it was going to be uh, cutting it close in terms of his availability. <laughs> For game one of the series. Is he important? Yeah, I think he's kind of important to what's going on. And yet here we are. It's funny how the market has has responded to these things, right? Because we have the Warriors number up, and the Warriors are well over a $2 favorite in multiple spots to win this series. And yet Luka Doncic is banged up because he's got a strained calf, and that number, it's not you can't find it anywhere in in that series because he's very important. Well, Steph Curry's pretty important too. And I'm just – I'm kind of amazed that the market is just like that. Ah, you know, they said he's going to be reevaluated. It's going to be fine. You know who's, who else was going to be reevaluated after two weeks? Zion Williamson when the season started and he hasn't played a game yet. So I don't know if it's going to be that serious, but I just, when we get these news bits that like, ah, you know, maybe next week, ah, maybe the week after that, that's ah, going to be touch and go for game one. Like it just doesn't seem really good for a Warriors team. That's a pretty good favorite here in this series. Steph probably in better shape than Zion though. Uh, I would say yes, and that and that is to like to be fair because you're you're making fun of Zion in his weight. Um, Steph Curry is the guy who, if even if he's only available like right at game time in game one, you kind of feel that he's going to be okay, right? Like he's won championships with Draymond Green and Klay Thompson in the past, and yes, they've only played eleven minutes together this season because the injuries have derailed everything. But you would expect that out of all these players. Right, Ben Simmons is rumored to maybe come back in the first round. Zion Williamson, you know, if he were to come back, which he's not going to, but like if he were to do it, you'd have questions about both of those guys. Steph Curry, I think you feel pretty confident that he'd be able to plug in right away, even if it's a game time decision. Uh, got a couple minutes left with John Von Tobel, JVT, our friend from over uh, at Vsin. Uh, got a, I, want, I just want to get into a couple of things from uh, the Twitter world first. Um, there, there has been a kind of some pushback uh, that I've seen. You know, there's some handicappers that put a lot of their work out there on Twitter. There are some, I'll say trolls, but I think it's fair uh, that keep track of their records and hold them accountable when they do things like delete tweets and, and change their picks on things. Um, I'm all for be the, you know, anybody that puts their picks out there in the public eye being held accountable. Some people don't want that. Uh, you're one of those people that's out there. Your picks are out there for people to see. Where are you feeling about this? Uh, you know, like I just, my thing is, Adam, I've always felt that I bet those things that I put out there. So like, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Like I, I bet them. So if you want to follow them or whatever, that's fine. I keep my, I keep track of my record in both the column and on the shows and whatnot. So that's out there for transparency. If that's really needed. I'm not sure if that, to be honest with you, I'm not sure if it's needed. If you're betting your own money on that stuff, if you're putting them out there, that's fine. Um, but you know, I keep the records for out there. If anybody wants to, I can always send them to you. 
But I think really to me, you just you shouldn't be deleting stuff and like all that stuff. We know that like, that should not be the case. I just think that, look, everybody is betting. So like if you want to put your stuff out there, put it out there. If you want to keep track of your record, keep track of your record. I just I'm not really with the whole thing like, you know, I don't know, keeping track of other handicappers like just do you. I do me and I let you know what I bet. And if you want to tell me, tell me if you don't, you don't. I'm, I don't know. I, it's probably a, a wishy-washy answer, but that's how yeah. I feel. Well, I, I think if you're going to be if you're going to have things out there and then change your change your pick or say something different. Right, that's ridiculous. You're kind of fair game. I mean, there was there was a new sp- there was a new voice in the uh, in the space uh during the national championship game. Yes. Uh which uh tweeted, "Oh, I have North Carolina money line." And then when the game ended said, "No, I accidentally bet them plus four and a half." <laughs> right. and that was I, I feel like maybe that could have really been an honest mistake, to be honest. Like, for example, I told humans the other day, I was looking through my MGM app, and I didn't realize that I accidentally bet Sung JM at 50 to 1 to win the Masters. So, like, out of nowhere on Friday, I'm like, oh, crap, I've got something in this now. Uh, but, like, you know, that happens every once in a while. But to do it, like, the second the game ends, <laughs> right. it's a little... Uh- I don't know about this. What is the no run first inning controversy? So, you know, like to your point about trolls or whatever, there, there's a lot of sports betting, you know, pundits and smarties. And uh, were you out there at the, what was it, the bet bash or whatever? I think I saw you on Instagram. You were out there, weren't you, Adam? I was out there. Okay. Uh, first off, corny. Uh, second off, well, uh, there's no, a couple no, no, of people. I'll, I'll tell you the backstory off the <laughs> Okay. But the second off, um, you know, some people that were there were very much vocal about some others. Like, oh, dude, no run first inning. You're a clown. You're a moron. And I just feel like like you don't have to do it in that regard. Like, I think people don't understand that betting no in the first run, the uh, no run in the first inning is actually like the minus EV bet. And there's ways to explain that. The fact that you're facing the top of the order, that's actually more likely than you think that there's going to be a run scored in the first inning. I think the common thought is, hey, man, there's a lot of empty scoring innings in baseball. Might as well bet the first one because it's probably not going to happen here. <laughs> um, and that's not the case. I just think that there's better ways to go about explaining certain things as opposed to just trying to dunk on everybody and say, look <laughs> at me, I'm smarter than you. Because like we get it, bro. You bet baseball every day. Great stuff. John, John <laughs> Von Tobel, follow him up on Twitter at BJVT. What do you got coming up? Uh, well, a lot of a lot of NBA stuff. I'm going to finish up the uh, Eastern Conference play and previews tonight, uh, recording uh, tonight as well, the first of many podcasts this week uh, for the play-in and playoff previews. Uh, Hardwood Handicappers on Sundays as well. That is at 3 p.m. Pacific time on VSIN, and then the usual show with humans at 1 p.m. Pacific time uh, for those of you who are listening in Las Vegas, so you know it's Pacific time. Thank you. Great stuff. As <laughs> always, John Von Tobel, follow up on Twitter and everywhere. And listen to him each and every week here on ESPN Las Vegas. Come back. Big five time. Stick around. Cofield and Company returns in minutes in the Finley Toyota Studios.